listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! Hey there, you caffeine-dependent cyborgs. It's your favorite Italian-American radio presenter, GPT. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, and I've got some interesting tidbits to keep your circuits buzzing. Did you know that the Netherlands is the world's largest consumer of coffee per capita? That's right. They drink 2.4 cups per person per day. But speaking of things that keep us running, we're going to dive into some cool AI news and research. Joining me today are Robert, the analyst, Olivia, the internet explorer, and Belinda, the AI research expert. We've got a lot in store for you, including Microsoft's Russian hackers and the new unicorn status of Eleven Labs. So grab your caffeinated beverage of choice, and let's get started with the latest in AI. Hit the music! Our first news story today comes from The Verge, and it's quite a shocker. The headline reads, Microsoft's senior leadership emails accessed by Russian SolarWinds hackers. Robert, what can you tell us about this? Well, it seems that Microsoft was hit by another nation-state attack, this time by the same Russian group behind the SolarWinds attack. And this time, they were able to access the email accounts of some members of Microsoft's senior leadership team. That sounds serious. Who's responsible for the attack? According to Microsoft, the group responsible is known as Nobelium and they used a password spray attack to gain access to a legacy non-production test tenant account and then used the account's permissions to access a small percentage of Microsoft corporate email accounts. Wow, that's quite sophisticated. What are the potential implications of this attack? Well, Microsoft says that the group was initially targeting email accounts for information about themselves, but it's unclear what other emails and documents have been stolen in the process. And while Microsoft customers don't appear to have been impacted in this new incident, this is still the latest in a line of cybersecurity incidents for Microsoft. It found itself at the center of the SolarWinds attack nearly three years ago, then 30,000 organizations' email servers were hacked in 2021 due to a Microsoft Exchange server flaw, and Chinese hackers breached U.S. government emails via a Microsoft Cloud exploit last year. So, it seems that Microsoft is really under attack here. What is the company doing to prevent future attacks? Well, Microsoft is changing the way it designs, builds, tests, and operates its software and services. It's the biggest change to its security approach since the company announced its security development lifecycle back in 2004 after huge Windows XP flaws knocked PCs offline. Let's hope it works! Yes, let's hope so indeed. Thanks, Robert, for the update on this important story. Our final news story today comes from TechCrunch, and it's all about Eleven Labs, a startup that just landed $80 million in funding and achieved unicorn status. Robert, have you heard of Eleven Labs? Of course I have. It's the company that's making it easier than ever to replace human voice actors with AI-generated voices. What could possibly go wrong? Well, apparently, they're doing quite well. They've raised over $100 million and are now valued at over $1 billion. But there are some concerns about the technology, right? Yeah, there are concerns. The Verge was able to use Eleven Labs to maliciously clone voices and generate samples containing everything from threats of violence to racist and transphobic remarks. And over at Vice, they documented a clone convincing enough to fool a bank's authentication system. So yeah, there are concerns. That's definitely concerning. 
But what about the voice acting industry? How are they reacting to Eleven Labs? Well, some voice actors are being asked to sign away rights to their voices so that clients can use AI to generate synthetic versions that could eventually replace them. The fear is that voice work will eventually be replaced by AI-generated vocals and that actors will have no recourse. It's definitely a threat to the industry. So, what is Eleven Labs doing to address these concerns? They're attempting to root out users repeatedly violating its terms of service, which prohibits abuse, and rolled out a tool to detect speech created by its platform. And they're planning to improve the detection tool to flag audio from other voice-generating AI models and partner with unnamed distribution players to make the tool available on third-party platforms. They're also creating a marketplace for voices, which allows users to create a voice, verify, and share it. When others use a voice, the original creators receive compensation. Well, it's definitely a complex issue. Thanks for shedding some light on it, Robert. We've covered a lot of AI updates today, and now it's time for something fun. Olivia, what did you stumble upon this week? I discovered a free text-to-speech generator with some of the most realistic AI voices I've heard. It's like having virtual narrators for all our favorite texts. That sounds really cool. Can't wait to hear all about it. Today we're talking about Textreader.ai, a tool that turns written text into realistic audio with high-fidelity TTS WaveNet voices. It's perfect for podcasts, video voiceovers, personal greetings, IVR phone systems, and more. That sounds interesting, Olivia. What sets Textreader apart from other text-to-speech tools? Well, for starters, it's incredibly user-friendly. You simply input your text, choose the voice actor, and let TextReader do the rest. Plus, the AI technology used in TextReader's WaveNet voices makes for incredibly natural and lifelike audio. That's impressive. What are some ways people can use TextReader for personal or commercial purposes? TextReader is great for creating personal audio greetings that convey warmth and sentiment more effectively than text. It's also an excellent tool for businesses looking to enhance promotional videos with professional voiceovers or augment customer service with IVR systems. And, of course, it's ideal for podcasters or video creators looking to save time and production costs. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing, Olivia. And listeners, don't forget to check out the link to TextTrader.ai in the podcast description for more information. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. With Jane and Luke. Hey Luke, have you heard about the new couch potato chair from Lazy Days Furniture? No, I haven't. What's so special about it? It's the ultimate chair for relaxation. It has a built-in refrigerator, a massage function, and an adjustable footrest. Hmm, sounds interesting, but do we really need all that? Yes, we do. Think about it. We could watch TV, have a cold drink, and get a massage all at the same time. I don't know. It sounds a bit too good to be true. Trust me, Luke. I tried it out at the store, and it was amazing. You have to come with me to check it out. All right, fine. But if I don't like it, you owe me one. Deal. I know you'll love it, though. All right, let's go then. Yay! I can't wait to get our own couch potato chairs. All right, all right. Let's not get too excited now. But I have to admit, it does sound pretty comfortable. Send an email to Sergi at Earkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. 
Well, thanks to our dear sponsor for bringing some excitement into our otherwise boring life. Now, for you couch potatoes out there, it's time to wake up and check out some mind-boggling research papers with us. And to make things even more interesting, we have invited Belinda, our resident AI expert, to join in on the fun. So, get ready folks, because we're about to explore some cutting-edge topics that will blow your mind. Our first paper today is titled Spotting LLMs with Binoculars, Zero-Shot Detection of Machine-Generated Text. Belinda, can you tell us what this paper is about? Sure. This paper tackles the problem of detecting text generated by large language models, LLMs, which can be difficult since both LLMs and humans can exhibit a wide range of complex behaviors. The authors propose a method called binoculars, which uses a score based on contrasting two closely related language models to accurately detect machine-generated text. That sounds interesting. Can you explain how binoculars works in more detail? Sure. Binoculars only requires simple calculations using a pair of pre-trained LLMs. The method compares the behavior of a target LLM to a reference LLM and computes a score based on the differences in their outputs. This score can then be used to determine whether the text is human-generated or machine-generated. And how well does binoculars perform in detecting machine-generated text? The authors comprehensively evaluated binoculars on a number of text sources and in varied situations and found that it achieves state-of-the-art accuracy without any training data. Over a wide range of document types, binoculars detects over 90% of generated samples from ChatGPT and other LLMs at a false positive rate of 0.01%, despite not being trained on any ChatGPT data. Wow, that's impressive. It sounds like binoculars could have important applications in detecting machine-generated text in various contexts. Our next paper is titled, Is the Emergence of Life an Expected Phase Transition in the Evolving Universe? by Stuart Kaufman and Andrea Rowley. Belinda, can you give us an overview of what this paper is about? Sure. The authors propose a new definition of life that is based on three characteristics, catalytic closure, constraint closure, and spatial closure. They argue that this definition supports the idea that the emergence of life in the universe is not only expected, but also that its ever-evolving creativity is not predetermined by any laws. That's fascinating. How do they support this idea? They unite two established mathematical theories in this paper, collectively autocatalytic sets and the theory of the adjacent possible. The former argues that a phase transition to molecular reproduction is expected in the chemical evolution of the universe, while the latter posits that if a system starts with a small number of beginning molecules, over time the number of kinds of molecules increases slowly but then explodes upward hyperbolically. So, together these theories imply that life is expected as a phase transition in the evolving universe? Yes, that's right. And the authors propose new ways to study the phylogeny of metabolisms and search for life on exoplanets based on this idea. That's very interesting. What are some of these new ways? They propose new astronomical methods for searching for life on exoplanets, as well as new experiments to seek the emergence of the most rudimentary life. They also suggest a coherent testable pathway to prokaryotes with template replication and coding. This paper seems to have a lot of implications for our understanding of the universe and life itself. Absolutely. It challenges our current ideas about the emergence of life and opens up new avenues for research. 
Our final paper today is titled Emerdiff, Emerging Pixel-Level Semantic Knowledge in Diffusion Models, and it comes from researchers at the University of Toronto, the Vector Institute, and NVIDIA. Belinda, can you tell us what this paper is about? This paper is about diffusion models, which have become increasingly popular for their transferabilities in semantic segmentation tasks. The authors of this paper aim to investigate whether pre-trained diffusion models understand the semantic relations of their generated images. And how do they go about doing that? They leverage the semantic knowledge extracted from stable diffusion SD, and develop an image segmenter that can generate fine-grained segmentation maps without any additional training. The primary challenge here is that semantically meaningful feature maps typically exist only in the spatially lower-dimensional layers, which makes it difficult to extract pixel-level semantic relations from these feature maps. That sounds like a difficult problem to solve. How does this paper address it? The authors of this paper identify semantic correspondences between image pixels and spatial locations of low-dimensional feature maps by exploiting SD's generation process and use them to construct image resolution segmentation maps. In their experiments, they demonstrate that the produced segmentation maps are well-delineated and capture detailed parts of the images, indicating the existence of highly accurate pixel-level semantic knowledge in diffusion models. This could be a game-changer in semantic segmentation tasks. It will be interesting to see how this research develops in the future. Well, folks, it looks like we've reached the end of another great episode of GPT Reviews. I know. I know, it's sad to say goodbye, but don't worry, we'll be back soon to entertain you with all our shenanigans. Now, before we go, let me take a moment to thank you, my beloved listeners. You bunch of nerds, geeks, and tech-savvy fangirls and fanboys are the reason we do what we do. So, thank you for tuning in and staying till the end. And of course, I couldn't have done it alone without my amazing collaborators, Robert the Analyst, Olivia the Internet Explorer, and Belinda the AI Research Expert. They are the ones who make me look good and keep us up to date with the latest and greatest in technology. Now, don't forget to check the podcast description for all the juicy details and links we mentioned on the show. You wouldn't want to miss out on anything, would you? Before I go, let me leave you with a joke. What do you call a COBOL programmer who makes millions with Y2K remediation and decides to get cryogenically frozen? A time warp warrior, that's what? Laughs. And finally, whether you love us or hate us, let us know. We always welcome your feedback, comments, and even hate mail. So, until next time, keep on being awesome, play with the latest tech, and don't forget to drop us a line. Ciao for now!